Cooking with Chopsticks. The truth about dictatorships. A podcast with Chin Li Wen and Marcel Chang. Hello, Li Wen. Hello, Marcel. Our idea was actually to pick up a very current matter and discuss it within a few minutes. Uh, we want to talk about the ban of Clubhouse the new app that has been, well, apparently a lot of new fans worldwide and also in China. Quite a phenomenon, isn't it? It is, yes, it is indeed. So you see the need of people to exchange each, each other on other ways than social media. Um, Clubhouse is, a, is, an, is an app that is kind of, well, they call it a mixture of social media, podcast and teleconferences where people meet within a, a certain chat room and talk about whatever subject they want to talk about. Um, the special thing about Clubhouse is that you only can access one of these chat rooms, unlike in other applications, when you get invited officially. So it's a very exclusive circle of people talking about a certain matter. Very unusual discussions recently over the relations between Taiwan and China, uh, about the things going on in Xinjiang and Hong Kong. So Chinese people or people from mainland China uh, were willing to exchange their opinion about these matters with people from, from other nations, which is uh, uh, normally not possible. So in Clubhouse it was, but it was just till Sunday because now the app is officially banned. And uh, you posted on Facebook something that um, actually tipped me off to, to think it over. You said you see the demand for exchange and for discussion in China and the potential that this kind of grassroots thinking and wisdom actually is blocked by the censorship in, in China. And you were reminded of 1989 even. How do, you, how do you draw the line between Clubhouse 2021 and Tiananmen Square 1989? Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's been really it's three days of emotional, really exciting and emotional days. Clubhouse initially was very noisy places for me because I just couldn't bear a lot of people talking, talking in different rooms. But suddenly when the Chinese mainland users suddenly discovered this place and realized that there's no censorship, there's no surveillance from the Chinese government inside these rooms, and there's no recording, and they couldn't possibly have so many spies yet to uh, survey every single room. So suddenly all the Chinese who are well-connected, because after all, this is a bit elitist anyhow still, by invitation, people who are well-informed and worldly, who have good connections, will come here first, right? So they invite their friends and their friends' friends, and suddenly in the past three or, three or four days, there was a booming of Chinese clubhouse rooms. And all of a sudden, my timeline see a lot of this incredible topic popping up that has been taboo in China for decades. Like free discussion on Tibet, on Xinjiang, like on June 4th. And because of this, the government finally say, okay, cut Clubhouse off the line from China. The voices you hear from China coming into these chat rooms, are they, what kind of position do they have? Prepared to, to exchange arguments or, or is it rather a nationalistic approach uh, that wants to actually dismantle all the arguments coming from outside? No, you have all the voices. 
And that is the miracle. That's the magical thing about it. There, you see how China would be when it becomes a democratic country. There will be all sorts of voices there. There will be people who wholeheartedly supporting the Communist Party. There will be people who criticize it harshly, and there are people who are uncertain, but they want to open up to listen to more voices. And I think these are the majority, and they are ready to debate. To engage, to listen, especially for example, there is this very famous uh, room uh, in inviting all people to talk about Xinjiang, the concentration camp there, and you see how, despite the fact that many people are still brainwashed by the government about how bad the Uyghurs are, how how each one of them are actually potential terrorists, so they need to be locked up. There are Chinese who defend that system, but there are many who. Heard their story of the Uyghurs for the first time, and they show such sympathy and shock. So it shows this possibility. It's a fleeting moment of possibility. Where's the, the similarity to 1989? You've been in China in the 80s. In 1989, I was a, still a teenager. I was not in Beijing, in a remote place in a city in China. You don't really get the atmosphere. But it was after I went to Beijing to study. I learned a lot, and I watched quite some documentary illegally about what happened in Beijing before Tiananmen Massacre. And in Beijing, it was so, so, so open. Also in China at that time, generally speaking, there were lots of publications, legal or illegal, openly debating on the policies of the government,、uh, also including some minority policies. And at that time in Beijing, there is a Xidan Minzuqiang Democratic War in Xidan, which is in the center of Beijing.、Uh, that people post Dazibao big posters、uh, with their articles. It's like the Facebook today, offline, writing about their political opinions, like political analysis. What should China do? Where should China go politically? Demanding for democracy, or accusing the government of doing injustice to the people, and etc. It was so free. A few years, I think it started the whole debate and the whole thing escalated in 1986, around 86, when the whole nation was kind of reflecting upon the whole disaster of Cultural Revolution for the past ten years. I mean, the whole brutality. Chaos, poverty, incompetence of the government, and then gradually gain momentum because so many people are affected, including the elite in Communist Party. Many of their families were destroyed, and so they allowed this to happen for some years until June Fourth. And at that time, this open debate was so lively. Nowadays, it's impossible to imagine. The younger generation doesn't know that. We were organized in the school to watch River Eulogy, which is a documentary about how China should reflect upon its own very inward directing culture. It should open up and embrace the ocean culture, which is blue, blue culture, the ocean, which means the Western culture. Do Do you see in today's discussions going on on a on a smaller scale right now? Does it mean that despite all that brainwashing, it, it apparently didn't work out to stop people from making up their own minds? Is this surprising for you, or is that、uh, is it on a on a such a low scale that you would still say, well, 
yeah, but it's just a few people talking about it. Or do you think it is representative for the whole country, uh, whole country and the whole population that there is a demand for actually talking things over that happened? I think humans are the same. My theory in the past years learned from Brexit and all these right-wing extremists rising is that humans can be manipulated easily in even democratic environment, of course. But, of course, we blame Facebook and Twitter for and YouTube, all these social media, because they want to gain profit, so they keep on pushing more and more extreme content to people. It's another kind of brainwash, actually, but it's driven by capitalism. So that kind of divide people. But I think the most important problem with this is that our means of communication on social media is too limited. You only see what people write. And in writing, you don't get the real information. You misinterpret it. But if you have more information, for example, voice, like in Clubhouse, you realize that when people talk, they realize the other person is a real person. You hear the voice, you hear how mild he is, how pleasant this person can be, how reasonable, or he's really listening to you. Then you will not be so extreme like when you are communicating simply with writing. So one day if we can communicate online with more information from our biological character, we will not be uh, easily brainwashed that much. But what does it mean for, for China today? I think desire for freedom is always part of human nature. It's only when you don't have a choice you think you don't want it. When you have the choice, when choosing freedom is no longer so dangerous, you would want it. So many people nowadays go to China or journalists, they go to China and they interview the people there and they say, okay, uh, these people, they voluntarily support the Communist Party and they don't really think that freedom is a good thing. I think it's all bullshit because you never offered them the other choice. So Clubhouse showed us that people naturally want to have a freedom. They want to talk without being surveyed to be monitored. Clubhouse was an option now for several weeks in China. Now it has been banned. That means uh, probably there will, in the future, again and again, coming up new kind of forums, formats, possibilities to, I don't to think express so. it. Do you think no. it's limited? No, no, because the government will make sure that there will be no such opportunity. Do you think that with shutting down all these opportunities, that you also shut down the will to exchange about delicate subjects or is it something that as you say if people don't have a choice that they decide to just get along with the situation and said well you know what i'm happy how it is i don't need to discuss about xinjiang about hong kong about democracy yeah that's for sure i mean this is this has always been right in the past decades so um when people realize that the cost of discussing freely about political issues is too high. I mean, in Clubhouse, there was a room called, have you been invited for tea? Inviting for tea is a euphorism in China, meaning you got trouble with the national security. They invite you for tea and interrogate you whenever you show any dissent. It's a threat. So when people know 
they all shut up by voluntarily because everybody have a life to live. Having said so, it was a, another blink into, into the potential of Chinese grassroots experience and intellectual power to actually decide their own freedom and own way of life. Li Wen, thank you very much for this quickie. Thank you very much for your time and uh, hear you soon, Li Wen. It's a pleasure. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. with chopsticks the truth about dictatorships a podcast with Chin Li Wen and Marcel Chan. Chopsticks